figures and, and you know little facts, subconscious facts about people's people's past that they can reveal to them. But but they're not going here. They're just receiving a little more information down here. And 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 in the spiritual world, people are are gullible. They're just, they're they're just they want to trust the gurus, which is really stupid. And uh, you know, just just because a person says they're a guru and says they're enlightened, you should you shouldn't take their word for it. You should you, you should observe carefully for a period of time, make certain tests listen to things, do some research, and see if they're reliable, if, if you're depending upon them as a person. If the teaching's not, if the teaching's uh, not doing the job, then, you know, then they're unreliable spiritually, or you're unqualified spiritually. There's, you know, you got to think this thing through. You shouldn't believe what these people say. You should question everything. That's why we, this Ishwar put this doubting function in your mind. But when you're suffering, you just, you know, somebody says they got a solution and, you, and you're suffering for a long time. You just want to what? You just want to get rid of that suffering so you quickly believe you'll try any remedy, even the most ridiculous remedies, you'll try because you want relief from suffering. And you'll believe these people. You know, well, you should always have a, you should, if you have a guru, you should have a guru that has a scripture backing it up, him or her up. So so you can check the guru's thinking. Right? And then, you you know, you... <laughs> no, so I don't understand. Are you worried about being manipulated by gurus or something? What's the no. what's the real fear underneath this whole issue? Um, sometimes things happen to me, yeah. and I have the feeling it's not coming from Ishwara, but somebody, guru or any any other person. Well, the fear in somehow. Well, that would be coming from Ishwara through that person. Through that person, okay. Good. Ishwara is working through everybody. Okay. That's how things come. Is it that some Every, people... everybody's Ishwar is working Ishwar is working through them. Okay. The good people and the bad people. Yes. So the the the, the way is that somebody is better in contact with Ishwara so that No, 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 no. That's that's what they want you to believe. Yes. You do not believe what these people say. They have a special relationship with Ishwara that you don't have. They don't have a special relationship with Ishwara. <laughs> Ishwara has no special relationships. Ishwara is just the one that facilitates your karma. It's, it's, huh? that if I claim to have a special relationship with Ishwara, on the basis of what do I make that claim? You could make the same claim. That's how they manipulate you. They say, I know more than you do. And therefore you should listen to me, or you should do what I say. Well, just 
I mean, just listen to them and see if they know more than you do. And if what they know is, is useful, uh, then, then accept it. And I'm not saying I know more than you do, although I do. <laughs> because, only because I know the scripture better than you do, that's all. <laughs> that's all. It's not, huh? It's not because I, you know, because I studied it more. And, uh, and I, you know, I had good, good teachers and I studied it more. And I've been committed for 50 years, so that's why I know more. I'm just a professional. I have more knowledge than you do. That's all. But that, that doesn't, you know, what kind of knowledge is it? What is the knowledge that I'm telling you? You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're whole. You know, I'm trying to encourage you to, like, seek yourself and to discipline your minds and so forth and so on. Do, do, do you feel like I'm, I'm bossing you around and ordering you around and manipulating you somehow? No, you don't feel that way because I'm not. I don't care if you come or go or whatever. And I figure you're listening because you're gaining something, that's all. But it's entirely up to you. I have no power apart from the power you give me. And these gurus, they, they, they are, they're so full of, vain, they're so vain and egocentric. And they're so small inside. They need to feel powerful. They need to feel big and important. <coughs> you know, they need to be loved. They're, they're just, they have big love, most of them have really big love holes in their hearts. And they figure, well, if you're paying attention to them, then what? Then you love them. Well, maybe you do and maybe you don't, but huh? why would I depend upon whether you, you pay attention to me to love, you know, for my self-esteem? If they, these people, you know, see, people respect people with knowledge. They respect teachers. So they're willing to give them their confidence. But you need to be very careful who you give your confidence to and what you give your confidence to. Just because you're suffering, you shouldn't just hand over your trust to somebody else. You should make, huh? This got a, this is a, a, an adult, a mature person. I, when I went into business in my twenties, I was I was trusting and innocent, and boy, I learned very quickly that that doesn't work. <laughs> and and you know because you know people are people. Just because a person says they know who they are, that doesn't make them special. They gotta, you know, give you something that's solid and real and helpful to you, and, the, and you've got to feel that you you don't feel you don't you're not. They don't require you to feel grateful for it. I mean, I, it's very nice that you appreciate what I, and people tell me how much they appreciate what I'm doing, but you know, I don't expect that. All I expect, expect is if I'm sitting here, is that you listen to what I have to say. And then what you do with it, I have no control over that either, do I? Some, some, some of the things I say you like and some of the things I say you don't like. But I have no control over that. It's not my words anyway. This is just the scripture's words. So, so yeah, this, this guru thing, this is real, you know, dangerous. 
dangerous idea. And it's not that I'm anti-guru, because you need a guru. If you're, if, you're, if you're really going to get out of this, you need somebody who can help you, who can give you, uh, can help you resolve your questions and your doubts. But at, at what cost? I mean, there's, there's these people who are with this guy, Andrew Cohen, and they spent all these years with him. Now, and they got abused like crazy, and then they, they left. Well, some of them got some benefit from it, maybe. But you want to spend 10 years with somebody to what? Uh, while they're abusing you when you could act, huh? Pushing you around and lording it over you and acting big in front of you and, and manipulating you and telling you this. This guy was even telling people who should sleep with who and who shouldn't be married and that sort of thing. Make, making them making them because they were bad or something, making them, you know, <coughs> sit in a cold lake in the winter or something, you know, freeze their butts off because they, were, you know, they weren't doing their sadhana right and that sort of thing. It's, you know, I mean, it's, come on. And people put up with it for 10, 20, 30 years because they, they, they allowed that person to browbeat them and push them down and tell them they were better and, and, and it's only through me you're going to get there and so forth and so on. If your heart is pure, Ishwar will give you the right guru. So, no, gurus, they're not... Just the, the, the tendency to, to manipulate people is so amazing, big in the human mind. That's fear. You know, it's a fear only. Fear is a nasty, nasty thought. You should learn to recognize fear, and you should respect it, and you should do anything you can to root it out. Because fear is a heavy, heavy counterproductive, painful thought. It's not good. Unfortunately, the whole world runs on fear because Ishwara <coughs> generates this tamaguna. This, this tamasic ignorance, this dark quality. You know, that's responsible for the fear. And out of the fear, the desire rises. And the rajas comes. The rajas is, let's get something that will remove my fear. And so you go round and round and round and round. Fear, desire, fear, desire, fear, desire. Round and round and round and round. Sorry. Sarashiva Samarambha Shankaracharya Madhyamam Asmaracharya Paryantam Vande Guru Param Param Ishwaro Gurameji Murti Veda Vibhagine Yomavad 
Gocharam Tamagocharam Govindam Paramanandam Satgurum Pranatosmyam Om Shri Krishna Govinda Narayana Om Let's see what we're... Oh! Oh yeah, we're on these verses about Maya. Who crosses Maya? So, so we explained we explained how what Maya is. This chart, this chart's a picture of Maya how it works. And if you're gonna if you're going to grow spiritually, you're going to have to know how Maya works. So you know we're trying to reveal reveal the, the unconscious mind, the forces in it and explain how it, it influences the conscious mind, the slow-thinking conscious mind, and what you can do to transform your, your life. Because unless you transform your unconscious mind, your habits, unless you transform your habits, uh, your, your mind, st you're still going to suffer the same problems. I mean, that, you know, it's just, I don't know why people think life should change if they don't make the changes. Huh? You pray, you pray to God and you want things different. And you don't want to do the work to make things different. God's not going to make things different. From God's point of view, from Ishwara's point of view, you're, everything's fine. And why? Because you want things to be different. Should God say, let's say, say you want your sports, your your football team to win the match, and your friend wants his football team to win the match, and both of you pray to God. You say, I want I want Germany to win, and I want America to win. Now, that's the one. Now, what's God going to do? <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. God's probably German origin. <laughs> got a special bias. Yeah, God's got no bias. God doesn't care who wins, huh? Understand? God's God's only going to react. If you act, God's the thing that causes the reactions. It's the, the karma paladata. It's the one that gives you the results of your actions. So if you don't do anything, then why, why would God change anything? Why, why would, huh? Just because you want it. Think about it. The, the karma doesn't change because you think. Huh? The, your, your worldly karma doesn't change because you because you think. It, it changes because you act. And your mental karma doesn't change huh, either until you what? Change your thoughts. If you change the thought, then Ishwara will deliver you the new thoughts. But it, uh, if, if you if you have a particular state of mind and you want it to pray, say, Ishwara, please change my state of mind, Ishwara's not going to change your state of mind. You've got to change your state of mind. And then Ishwara will give you the 
the right state of mind. I know, I think God's some big guy in the sky that's controlling everything. Well, it's controlling the whole field, but it's not controlling every individual in the field. So if an individual decides to make a, use its free will, uh, then Ishwar is bound. That's the contract. <laughs> That's what we're saying. There's a contractual relationship between Jiva and Ishwar. That's the way the field is set up by Maya. So if you do this, then uh, it, 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 otherwise, if it wasn't a contract, <coughs> if there wasn't a viable connection between Ishwar and Jiva, then the whole world would fall apart. Ishwar has got to maintain the discipline here, the field. He's a disciplinarian. He maintains the laws. He's a, he's a cop, big cop. He's controlling. He's a controller. So, now the jivas, how's the jiva going to communicate with the controller? Well, he's going to be through his behavior. Either through his mental behavior, his emotional behavior, or what his physical behavior. So we're say we're saying, okay, change your attitude, start loving the right things, and do dharmic actions. That's, huh? Do actions that produce what beneficial results. What are the beneficial results? Sattva. We want we want sattva. So we have to explain this, how this mechanism works. And it's the same for everybody, how it works. And then it becomes your knowledge, your mind expands, and you can what? You can start to transform your life. This is all about transforming your life. You know, the people, the people just think, well, no, I'm just going to be passive and surrender. Well, you're just going to get more of the same. That's all you're going to get. You know, if you, if you want your life different, understand? If you're happy with your life, then you can then you can just surrender. You can just let go and not expect anything to be different and just not be so self-centered. You can be God-centered. You can worship God all the time. And he said here, that's what you're supposed to do anyway, is ceaselessly, he said ceaselessly, Right, contemplate the glories of the Lord. In other words, constantly think of the Lord. Think of yourself. Because yourself is what? That's not, the relationship with yourself is not an incidental relationship. It's a primary relationship. All your other relationships depend upon your relationship to yourself, don't they? So my relationship with myself is not right, then, then none of my relationships are going to be right, are they? So, so this uh, this Maya thing, you know, well, anyway, I'm cranky today, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and, and what what do they do? You know, when when you you go with this low, your lower these impulses, these vasanas, without questioning them, they, then they they just talk. it says they just they rise like waves 
when you associate with these objects, objects means people, it doesn't just mean people, it means when you associate with a thought, say a negative thought, say you're a suspicious person, say you're suspicious. Now every time, and, and you got, you think, well, the world's a, a really evil place, and that's why I'm suspicious. Okay, the world's an evil place, but that doesn't mean a suspicious thought is a good thought, does it? Huh? Oh, the world's an evil place, but what? But what? Uh, so I should become suspicious and carry that heavy, dark energy, that disturbing energy with me all the time because the world is suspicious, even though it's the thought itself is injuring me? Huh? I should do that? I shouldn't do that. You know, that's stupid, isn't it? The, the suspicious thought is not going to protect you against the world if it's evil. The world's going to stay evil whether you have a suspicious thought or you don't have a suspicious thought. So wouldn't it be gooder to have a, better to have a trusting thought and let the world worry about itself? We have all these justifications for why we have negative th thoughts. And all those negative thoughts, a negative thought is up to you once you recognize that thought as, a, as an uncomfortable, unpleasant thought, then it's on you to what? To take care of it. So any misery from the time at which you recognize it, any misery from that point on is self-inflicted misery. You're punishing yourself by hanging on to that kind of thought. And why would you do that? Because you have low self-esteem, which means what? You don't love yourself enough. You, love, you don't love yourself enough to keep from punishing yourself. Huh? Think about it. Why would you punish yourself by carrying bad thoughts, uncomfortable thoughts, unpleasant thoughts, when it's just as it's just as easy to what to trust? And whether or not whatever happens in the world, so what? I need to love myself by having the right kind of thoughts in my mind. I want to be a trusting person. And so somebody injures me, so what? Because I'm trusting. Somebody steals my money or whatever it is, whatever my problem is. So what? I'm not going to hate them, because as soon as I start hating that person, now I've got another thought on me, don't I? Another uncomfortable thought. I'm not going to hate them. I'm going to I'm going to think well. Hell, that person needs it, whatever it is, and God bless them. And and I'm going to think a good thought, and that's to keep that bad thought out of my mind. How to manage your mind? And the thing is, we value desire and fear way too much. You know. But they, they, they're, they're just like tyrants. In fact, Krishna said, Arjuna says to Krishna in the fifth chapter of Gita, he says, uh, the mind is like an entrenched tyrant. It's like a big, nasty boss. Huh? He says, it just, it just does what it wants to do, 
and and it seems to, seems that it's impossible to control. And Krishna said, uh, indeed, that's true. But he said, it can be controlled by repeated practice and objectivity. Those are the words he uses. In other words, what? A refusal to accept that mind's, you know, dominance, that insistence that you be suspicious or that you be angry, that you feel aggrieved. Or, 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 you know, the self, con, self congratulatory, you know, idea that you're wonderful. Well, you're, if you are wonderful, but you need to know you're wonderful for the right reason. <laughs> so, so I've got to manage this Maya. Maya means the mind. There's a lot of, there's as much beautiful stuff in the mind as there is ugly stuff in the mind. Why would I choose? to believe the ugly stuff. What, what, what? That's what free will means. You're free to choose. He, he, said, he puts it here in terms of associations. He says associations with materialists. Well, why, why do you choose to associate with materialistic people? Because it's just one mind and you get in their energy bubble and then they're their materialist thoughts start to leak into your mind. There's only one mind. When you walk into a room of criminals, you feel criminal vasanas. <laughs> you walk into a room of saints and yogis, you feel uh, saintly vasanas. It's just, huh? Your mind becomes the mind of the, the group or the, the, the circumstance, the situation you're in. So he says, associate with good people, and what? And insofar as you're not associating with anybody, associate with good thoughts. And the good thought is, I'm beautiful and God's great. Those are, those are the good thoughts. I'm wonderful and God's great, and I'm just a servant of God, and I'm here to, <coughs> I'm here to serve the world, serve myself and serve the world. And those things, and who crosses Maya? Well, same same idea. Uh, he makes a suggestion here. Uh, who crosses Maya? He says, uh, the one who avoids society. Now, that doesn't mean avoid spiritual company, although you have to be careful in the spiritual company, too, because spiritual people are just samsaris dressed up in spiritual clothing. <laughs> so you, uh, just because somebody's wearing orange clothes and walking, prancing in white clothes and prancing around, you know, with a mala on their neck and, you know, and, and talking all kinds of lovey stuff doesn't mean they're not, a, you know, they got their saints. <laughs> so that's easier. But he suggests that, that you, you enjoy your own company. But when you're in your own company, again, it's the same issue, isn't it? Because some good thoughts are there and some bad thoughts are there. So we're saying, you know, deliberately start introducing good thoughts into your mind and associate with those thoughts and don't associate with the bad thoughts. Because if you don't associate with the bad thoughts, they go away. They're always clamoring for your attention. Huh? 
and it's and it feels good to associate with good thoughts. So associate with good thoughts. Anyway. He says, let go of the belief that there is security in worldly situations and transcend the gunas. That's where this whole thing started. I read the word guna, and now we got the whole guna, <coughs> guna chart here in front of us. Does anybody have any uh, questions uh, about the about the teaching last night, the guna thing and how it works? Is it possible to repeat again? Maybe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. It's, uh, sorry. it's uh, not easy to understand. Um, <laughs> oh. You mean repeat? You want me to repeat the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, but maybe something important. Yeah. Well, the whole Which... thing. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Vedanta teaching is that every single idea is as important as every other idea. There's no difference between the ideas because it's a complete teaching. Uh, get the video that it's explained on, on uh, uh, particularly in the Bhagavad Gita. Do you get that Bhagavad Gita, the Bhagavad Gita series? Okay, watch that. Because that, huh? The, the chapter on karma and karma yoga. We'll go to Berlin. Huh? We'll go to Berlin. <laughs> oh, what, are we doing it's the balloons in Berlin? Yeah, yeah, three oh yeah, yeah. Come to come to Berlin. We're going to spend uh, what four four days on the gunas? Three, three days? Yeah, no, three days on the gunas. <laughs> on just that two. We have other guna charts too. Uh, this is just this is just one of explaining. Sorry, I'm I'm because uh, you didn't explain about tamma class. Therefore, I thought maybe something important, something not important. Explain about what? Tamma class. Oh, the tanmatras. Yeah, for example. Oh, for example. Do we have a minute? Tanmatras. It explains it's called the 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 division and recombination of the elements. That's what tanmatras means. Tanmatras means stands alone. The in the subtle body, huh, the 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 it explains how co co space evolves into five elements. How space grossifies. Space is gross, you can't see it, but it, when it becomes uh, it, when it becomes of earth and fire and air and water, those four elements, then you can see it, then you can experience it with your sense organs. So this this teaching explains how that works. It's a mathematical formula. And it's you wouldn't understand it. You you need to study it carefully, and and it's 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 not that important. Okay. No. <laughs> no. 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 It's not. It's really not that important because the fact is you don't. You have to deal with with your physical self. You have to deal with with the, your elemental self. You have to eat properly, drink properly, you have to breathe properly, you have to do all that. And 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 so you're only dealing with the elements once they've grossified. 
See, here they're, they stand alone, they're simple, but here they divide and recombine, and they grossify, and this is where we contact the elements in our physical body and the physical world around. Our physical body is part of the physical world. It doesn't, it's part of Ishwar world. It doesn't belong to Jiva. The physical body belongs to Ishwar. Understand? The, uh, the subtle body, which in, involves these, these organs and the, these, these four functions here, these three functions here, uh, that, that, that belongs in the subtle body. The pranas, the active organs, and the and the thinking or perceptive uh, apparatus, they belong in the subtle body, but the physical body comes directly down to Ishwar. That's why I said this, the jivas don't appear here until there's a physical universe. So once you appear here, you've already got a physical body, <coughs> and you have to learn how to you know take care of it, right? You know so. There, the knowledge of, of food and, you know, and, uh, temperature, all, all of these things that are impacted on the physical body is useful to you. But, so don't worry about this. <clears throat> if I told you, you'd forget it in 10 minutes anyway. <laughs> yeah, Narayana. I would like to know more about the connection between the um, the causal body and the rest how my effects are um, how my my doing and thinking how is it uh, the, the effect or the result to understand more Ishvara and Maya but, but is to that I can more well well do what, action and yeah. be more more aware, no, no, aware. No. Yeah, okay, be more aware. No more. You want to know more. Um, causal body means yeah. ignorance. The causal ignorance. body means ignorance. Huh? What, what is that? Huh? What, is that what, what, what does that mean, causal body? Ignorance causes me to do action, to complete myself. From a jeev, we're talking from a jiva's point yes. of view. Yeah. Actions going on all the time. Many actions you do are not done to complete yourself, are they? Huh? To make yourself feel complete. Not every action is motivated by, by a feeling of inadequacy and insufficiency and, and is, is not intended to complete yourself, <laughs> is it? So only actions that you do that, that are, are meant to make you feel better, to make yourself feel complete, to make yourself feel adequate, to make yourself feel whole, to make yourself feel happy. You know? Only those issues, only those are problems. Understand? And those, those actions are generated by ignorance of the fact that what? That you are, that you are whole and complete already. So the causal body is it's just ignorance that's causing you to try to make yourself feel better huh? through doing, by doing things. 
And that ignorance causes you to repeat actions that make you feel good and avoid actions that make you feel bad. And so you have, all, in the, the cause of body just stores your tendencies. We call it the effects of ignorance. The vasanas are the effects of ignorance. These are observable effects. The vasanas you don't see, but you see the actions that flow from the vasanas. The vasanas generate the desires, the desires generate the actions, and the actions generate vasanas. So you go round and round and round and round, keep doing the same thing over and over and over again to make yourself feel good. But the problem isn't actions. The, the, the problem of feeling good is not because of your actions. The problem is a feeling bad. The problem of feeling good and feeling bad is because you got the wrong idea of who you are in the first place. <laughs> So unless you correct the idea of who you are, huh, huh, you're always going to keep doing things to try to make yourself feel good. For, for a, a, a person who knows I'm the self and has full confidence in that knowledge, huh, they don't worry about this because, you, as you can see, this is all a setup. It's a moving, changing machine. So... Uh, all the karma it automatically just keeps pouring out of the machine. So you're happy to let your your, your you turn your karma over to Ishwara. Because <laughs> Ishwara is doing it anyway. And you're happy with what Ishwara has in store for you, in other words, has for you. And you don't have to worry about it. You just enjoy yourself. Understand? <laughs> But here it is, I, I'm continually trying to make the world change what, to make myself feel better. Because all the actions are done in the world. I want to change my circumstances. I want to change my environment. Well, I mean, you, and if you're going to do that, then you should do it according to the knowledge. You should know the knowledge of the gunas, and you should know the principle of karma yoga, and so forth and so on, if you're going to change it. So there's a difference between ignorance and the effects of ignorance. You can remove most of the effects of ignorance by doing yoga or sadhana, but you won't necessarily, the only thing that removes the maya, the ignorance, is what? Knowledge, self-knowledge. <coughs> Shankara says, ignorance, light, uh, says, self-knowledge removes ignorance like light removes darkness. If, if the room is dark and I switch on the light, the darkness goes instantly because they're incompatible. You can't have, it in, uh, you can't have a thing in its opposite in here, in this world, that, the what? sitting together. So well, when there's darkness, there's not light, and when there's light, there's not darkness. Now the only thing that's going to remove that darkness is the thought, because it's the thought is I'm inadequate and incomplete. That's the thought that's generating all the actions. That's the thought. There's one thought. I'm small, I'm inadequate, I'm incomplete. 
That's the thought. And to do to destroy that thought, what do I need? The opposite thought. It's called pratipaksha bhavana. This this technique. This is our. This is the technique of Vedanta. It's a. You could call it an affirmation. What's the opposite thought? Yeah, I'm whole and complete. <laughs> now, how does it feel? How does it feel to to think I'm I'm inadequate and incomplete, and small and separate and lonely? How does that feel? Small. Inadequate, yeah, lonely, yeah, separate. yeah. It doesn't feel. <laughs> it doesn't feel good, does it? Huh? Doesn't feel good. How about I'm the light of the world. How about that? How does that feel? Does that feel bad? <laughs> Isn't that what Jesus said? I'm the light of the world. Huh? huh? They still remember Jesus. They still remember that statement. Thousand years, two thousand years later, they still remember that statement. What? That statement feels bad? Oh, I can't do that. No, no, I can't think like that. I just don't feel like the light of the world. Well, your feelings. Your, your feeling isn't evidence that that statement is untrue. That's not evidence. Your feelings are no evidence for, for the, the veracity, the truth of that statement. So, you know, so there's there's a conflict there because you don't feel like you're the light of the world. Well, you will feel like you're the light of the world if you if you assert your divinity, in other words, if you understand how and in what sense you are the light of the world. That's what we're talking about. We're trying to give you the reasoning that will back up that statement, I'm the light of the world. What if you understand it, but you, you cannot uh, stand mm -hmm. as that knowledge? It doesn't. It then you have to just keep applying the thought until that, that feeling goes away. 20 years. <laughs> uh, huh? 20 years. <laughs> that's that's a, yeah, the 5, 10, 15 rule. A, huh? It may take a long time. All that means is what? You're attached somehow. To the feeling of being small and, and inadequate and incomplete. Attached to ignorance. Yeah, you're attached to ignorance. That's all it means. You, you, you feel comfortable being ignorant. And you notice that amongst ignorant people. Hmm? Don't you? You, you, try, you see that their beliefs are, are causing them trouble. But as soon as you try to suggest an alternative belief or alternative view, huh, they immediately defend their belief. Huh? They, they have all the great reasons why they should feel miserable and why they can't change. Because it makes them feel good to feel miserable. That's called perversion. That is the reason why you seek experiential confirmation. Because we feel so attached to our smallness, so we want to experience something bigger, and that's yeah. why we seek experiences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Did you did you hear that? Yeah. yeah. The, so you can say it again. Say it slowly. The, the attachment to being small and in, incomplete. Incomplete. It might be the reason why we seek experience experiences like spiritual experiences. Yeah. Or we seek experiments to make us feel bigger and more complete, but it's actually the teachings about removing the ignorance about the smallness. That's right. In other words, you need to ask yourself, why do I feel this way? It, rather than believing that feeling. So what, what, you, this is what we call the doubting function. I talked about that last night. When you, when you have a feeling like this, that there's something wrong with me, you, you have that feeling, everybody has that feeling. Well, why do, you, why do you try to do something to make you feel good? Why, why wouldn't you ask yourself if there's any basis, if there's any evidence that there is something wrong with you? <clears throat> On the basis of what have you decided that you're a bad person or, or an inadequate person? On, on what is the evidence you, you you know you've got to have some reason for thinking there's something wrong with you otherwise otherwise there's no hope otherwise you you just believe what you've been told by your mom and your pop <laughs> my my sister-in-law she 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 got a little better over the years but she was a, she keeps a really messy house you know it's just messy it's just everything everywhere. Way too much stuff, and there's so much stuff she can't organize. It, and it's all messy. And I'm very tidy and very neat. I like things that know where everything is, and I like very few things. I like to have things at my fingertips. And I don't have to look for things and all that sort of stuff, you know. So, so one day, yeah, they had a big party, and we were at the party, and I was talking with my sister-in-law. Everybody had a few drinks and smoked a little dope, except me, of course. Because <laughs> I want my mind tidy, too. I, I don't want to put alcohol and drugs in my mind, because that makes it messy. I like a clean mind. So, I was, I, I, and she was kind of tipsy and loose and everything, and she was feeling good. So I said to her, I said, uh, I'd say, well, how, why do you keep such a messy house? <laughs> I said like that, but in a nice way. In a very nice way. No, I did. I, I said, you know, she didn't. She did. She did not take offense. She did not take offense. She did not. I tell her she was in a good mood, and I said it in a very nice way. And you know what she said? Because my mother kept a messy house. <laughs> Without a, one sense of irony. There was no irony in her statement whatsoever. I kept a messy house because my mother kept a messy house. There was no thought there, was there? I was conditioned, huh? Understand? Like a mantra. Huh? Like a mantra for her. No, Say, no. Yeah. It's given by God. <laughs> what? It's normal for her. Yeah. Yes, is no, not to question what you've been told. Huh? People think they think that what they've been told is the truth. 
because not not for because it's the truth or not the truth they think it's it's the truth because they've been told it well your mind is telling you there's something wrong with you all the time can you believe it huh okay you can believe it but tell me why i want the logic please please explain it to me cuz maybe i'm wrong and i would like to feel miserable so i'd like a good reason to feel miserable okay she could, she could feel more miserable when she has a neat house because that would be an offending her parents offending her mother maybe and many people think that way if i have a neat house and my mother sees it from above or she's still alive yeah she would be offended yeah see yeah that's guilt that's just guilt and it's so stupid because honestly let me tell you this you you may not realize this but nobody is laying awake at night worrying about whether your house is messy or not <laughs> huh nobody cares what's in your mind or your body or anything like that everybody is 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 asleep enjoying themselves or thinking their own thoughts So whatever whatever you know this is self inquiry you need to just strip it right down to the basis and so whatever whenever the world is telling you something whenever you hear something you need to what you need to question it in light of what in light of my values in light of my swabhava my swab my nature and in light of and my nature is going to determine my values That that's why we take so much time giving you the reasons why our whole teaching is giving the reasons why huh the world is not real why you're beautiful huh and why thinking like this is a good deal <laughs> will solve your suffering problem So an impulse a thought or a feeling is not a command it's you you won't go to jail for, huh you they won't put you in jail or or you know give you the chinese water torture or give you the thumb screws or put you on the rack why because you don't obey your desires or your fears because huh because you say that's a stupid thought i don't accept it and you throw it out I want I refuse to think like this about myself. You have to take responsibility, take charge of your own mind. You know. And and that you know, it's such a it's such a uh it's hard work. <laughs> Unless it isn't if you're cheerful about it and and you start working on it you get results quickly and you see that it start to feel better and and you just keep going that's all and one day your mind just like sits down and shuts up and it's a happy little puppy and you can uh, you can give it a little pet pat like that and it behaves and does what you want it to do it brings you your newspaper and your slippers and uh, <laughs> It's so funny. Yeah, huh? It's really funny. Like, 
It's really funny. Can I put it in my words what you said? Is it possible? Yeah, sure. Is it that actually we guide ourselves? There is maybe Ishvara somehow in between, but yeah. at the end, we are our, our own guidance. Yes, that's correct. Is it? Yeah. And, and for that guidance, you need some, some corrective. You need to, okay. to know uh, that's what the scripture is for, it's to guide you. It's, a, it's protect you from your own, from what? From self-delusion. Yeah, because, because you know, the, the tendency to fool yourself, to deceive yourself is very strong. If, and if you have a, a scripture and a guru, because a guru won't let you get away with it. A guru will not let you get away with deceiving yourself. When I had enlightenment sickness, oh my God, my guru, it didn't last long. He was so, he embarrassed the shit out of me in front of 300 people. He, he, I was in the middle of a big crowd and it was a big lecture. There was about 300 people there. And then, then he could, then I couldn't get away and I couldn't do anything. And then he, he started talking about enlightenment sickness and he pointed at me and he said my name and he, huh? And he yelled and screamed for about five minutes. What is enlightenment sickness? The ego co-opting enlightenment. The ego saying I'm special. The, thing, yeah. the ego thinking it's spiritual and special. I thought I was pretty hot <laughs> spiritually. He just ripped me up to shreds and there was no way I could do anything about it. And I took it like a man. And I thought about it. And he was right. And people said, oh, that was so awful. The Swami was so mean to you. <laughs> yeah, he was mean. That was great. Thank you very much. I needed that. Well, oh, no, no. That's not a real guru. The real gurus will just hug you. They'll never say anything bad to you. <laughs> you have the wrong guru. <laughs> no, it's the right guru. I was a vain, arrogant, self-centered son of a bitch. And I was pretending like I was spiritual and special and incredible. And, and after that little dressing down, huh, uh, my attitude adjusted very quickly. So, you know... <laughs> So yes, you are in charge, and you're right. You got to take control, and you got to take responsibility, and you got to do it yourself. But you should put yourself in a situation where uh, you don't uh, get egoic. That's all. And and in the context of a, of a scripture and a guru, you can't do that. Now you will get gurus who who take advantage of that teaching. In fact, I, there was one fellow who came to me and he, he said I was his guru. And, and uh, he was very devoted and all that. And one day he said to me after about six months, you know what he said? He said, uh, Ram, 
why don't you bust my ego? Huh? He says, why don't you bust my ego? Now, what, what am I supposed to say? Am I supposed to start busting his ego? He had a big ego. And I said, no, I don't do it because that's not my job. My job's not to bust your ego. My job is to teach you uh, who you are. And then if your ego needs busting, you do the busting. <laughs> because I don't want to waste my time on your problems. They're not my problems. Your problems are your problems, so you have to solve them. I'm just telling you how to solve them. That's all. And then you got to do it. But I, I can't spend my time busting everybody's ego. That's all I'll be doing all day long. I won't be enjoying myself at all because it's no fun telling people off. It's no fun. It's painful. It's un uncomfortable. Even somebody that's wrong, you don't want to tell them off. Just, you know, they need to figure it out on their own. So you, you, need, you need a context for, you know, the spiritual life needs a context. The context is the scripture and the teacher. That's all. That's what, that's what he's saying here. Because so. Narada himself had a great guru, a famous guru. The guy who wrote this. Understand? So and it, was, it isn't like he was putting himself forward. And in fact, he says, he says here, he says, the teachers, he said, didn't he say, remember those verses we said? So he and he listed the views of four or five different teachers. He said the teachers of the tradition, and then he said all of them are right. So there's no, you know, busting or criticizing here. There's just informing. There's just a beautiful, compassionate uh, presentation of what of this pure knowledge. It's so beautiful. I mean, so. Who is incapable? Who is capable of crossing my? How are you going to get over this? The one who transcends the pairs of opposites. What does that mean? Duality. And renounce. He repeats this again because the big problem is the materialist point of view, the view that I'm the body, the body's needs, the emotional and, and uh, physical needs are what are a need to be pander to. You need to take care of your body, but what? You don't need to worship your body. Unless you see it as God's body. Understand? If you see it as God's body, then you won't, uh, you'll, you'll do what's appropriate to God to your body. But if you see it as your body, you'll do all sorts of things to your body that are not appropriate to the body. You'll overeat, you won't sleep properly, you'll, uh, you'll whatever it is. Because what will be determining your relationship to your body is your sense of inadequacy and incompleteness. That's all. And if it's God's body, you know that God's body is perfect. And you'll serve it with love. When you take a shower in the morning, you're taking it, God, you're showering God's body. When you're cutting your hair, you're having God's hair cut. You don't have to spend like $200 to have your hair fixed. God God just doesn't know. God doesn't know that you spent $200 to have your hair fixed. Or go to, go to some fancy place and have, you know, spend $80 to have, I don't know, 
What do they do, these women? I mean, <laughs> put this plaster on and these funny things and all that sort of thing. God doesn't know that you're pampering God. Understand? You're doing all that for yourself to make yourself feel like, you know, valuable. Well, you're valuable with, with you know, you're valuable with normal skin. You're valuable with normal hair. You're valuable with normal everything. You don't need anything special to make yourself feel special. Special food. Oh, my God. These people. Oh, Jesus. These I won't talk about it because there's a lot of vegans around. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the superfood people, you know, spending this huge amounts of money on, you know, I don't know, it's grain that was, you know, harvested on full moon night that's mixed <laughs> with the luminous wings of, of you know, celestial insects in the ants. <laughs> <laughs> This is a poem. It's a poem. It's a poem. Oh, and now what is he going to say? Two more verses, then we'll take a break. Who is capable of transcending Maya? The one who renounces even the Vedas. Misa Vedanta. And obtains what? Exclusive and unbroken love of God. Nice. Such a person certainly goes beyond Maya. And what's the benefit of all that going beyond Maya? It has a benefit to the world. Now you're doing something for the world, aren't you? By taking one fool out of this world <laughs> huh? and replacing it with a loving, huh? kind, decent person, a serving, loving person, huh? you've improved the world. See? So, so it's, it's not all just about you. This is about, you know, serving the world. You, you didn't come here just to extract things. You came here to, ex, to contribute. So what do you contribute? You contribute your love. Because why? Because you have this unbroken love of God, and God includes everything, doesn't it? We said God is everything. That's our definition. There is only God. So uh, by loving God, you love everybody, every every plant and animal and human and anything else that's in the in the creation. You love it by default because that's what God is. I mean, that is, everything is God. <laughs> 